There's just so much more to hear. Download our podcasts at DubaiEye1038.com. Time to introduce our next guest who's joining us live in the studio. He's in the UAE for the Sharjah Children's Reading Festival. It's an absolute pleasure to be able to welcome him to Dubai Eye 103.8. Neil Schusterman is in the studio with us. Hello, welcome. Hi, thank you. I'm going to give you a proper introduction for any listeners who haven't maybe come across your work or just because you need a proper introduction. You are the New York Times bestselling author of more than 30 award-winning books for children mm-hmm. um, for teens and adults, including The Scythe, Thunderhead, um, Challenger Deep as well, which won the National Book Award in America for Young People's Literature and more. Uh, you also write screenplays for motion pictures and television. And you are a long way from your hometown of California. <laughs> yes. Are you enjoying it so far? Very much so. Okay, so you've just come from the Sharjah Children's Reading Festival. Are you all done event-wise? Is that how's the experience been? Are you are you all finished? Are you going back to do more today? It's all done, but it's been a fantastic experience. So, what discussions have you been involved with so far? I know that you had an event on Tuesday. What what kind of thing were you talking about there? Uh, we were, we had a panel on science fiction, and just talking about its uh, implications and how relevant it is to society. And then I spoke at several schools. And which was, you know, several international schools. And it was really uh, quite fascinating to speak to kids from so many different backgrounds. There were more than, a, in, in all the schools, there were more than 100 different nationalities. One of the things I think that's interesting for anybody who's writing for a young adult audience or a slightly younger audience is you often have really great stories of fantastic questions from kids in the audience. And what's the best experience that you've had at an author event as a writer for young people? Oh, there, there, there are so many times that, uh, that, that kids will come up to me and say just things that are so inspiring. You know, kids who have said that they never read a book cover to cover until they read one of mine, and then now they can't stop reading. Uh, there's kids, you know, Challenger Deep, which is about uh, schizophrenia. And there have been teens who've come up to me and said, your book saved my life. And to hear things like that, it just makes me want to just go out and write more. You mentioned schizophrenia. And I mean, this brings me on to the next thing that I want to talk to you about, which is you don't tackle anything particularly light in your books. Coincidentally, we actually scheduled a review of your book Dry on the show last Saturday. So when we found out that you were actually in town, we had to get the opportunity to speak to you. So it's great to have you here. But in Dry, you tackle basically this question, what will you do when the taps run dry, which is a very possible thing that could happen. You're tackling things like climate change, you're tackling things like artificial intelligence in the Scythe series. But what th- what strikes me when I read your books is that they are very clear, they're very concise, they are beautifully well written. And there isn't a moment where I'm not completely 100% understanding what is going on or engrossed in the plot. How on earth do you balance such complex subject matter, but with such clarity of writing and plot development? You know, I think uh, a lot of the writing process is really thinking about what your story is about. Why is it important? Why is it worth telling? And every step of the way, uh, that's always in the background. And uh, it's, I, I find it important not to be preachy and not to, you know, give morals to stories, but rather to pose questions, to look at scenarios, to look at different situations and see how they might play out, try to look at them from as many different perspectives as possible, because the more perspectives we have on situations, the more uh, able we are to, to uh, come up with solutions. 
Does the question come first or does the plot come first? I mean, is there a, a specific way you think, okay, I want to I want to write a book that answers this question or considers this question? Usually the question comes first. And many times the question doesn't connect with a story and a way to tell it for, for several years. Uh, you know, with Dry, I was actually sitting in the car with one of my sons, my son Jared, and uh, we were working on a project for... Uh, for, for TV, and we were sitting in traffic on the way to Los Angeles from where we live in Southern California, and you know, about an hour south or four hours south of Los Angeles with traffic. And uh, we, we started talking about how disasters the first thing that happens in disasters is the roadways become unusable because everybody is crowding the roadways, people will abandon their cars, and everything just stops. Uh, and then he talked to me about this thing that he had heard called Three Days to Animal. And the idea is that it takes just three days without a basic human need for civilization to sort of just completely crumble. So at any given time, we're only three days away from a post-apocalyptic society. And, uh, and I said, well, you know, in, in California, there's water shortage. You know, they're constantly talking about how the water is going to run out. What happens if it just does? And, you know, with, with, without enough warning and you turn on the tap and no water is coming out, and the government has redirected all the remaining water to emergency services, and neighborhoods are completely without water. You know, you, you can't get water to 24 million people fast enough to keep them all alive. And so we wanted to explore that, and the more research that we did, the more we realized how possible this is and how scary it is. Mm -hmm. Quite a few. Anthony, you had a question? No, I'm just, I mean, it was a fascinating topic, but I also think there's a whole series of books you could probably do on this. You know, what if what if the lights go out? Mm -hmm. um, you know, I was just, when I when I was thinking about all of this, and it's it's just so real. And, and even today in the life we live, as you say, you know, when anything happens, you know, everybody takes to their cars and goes, you know, what if there's, you know, petrol at the moment? I mean, there's been shortages back in over the years. But there's a whole series of wonderful things I think you could do here. But what I love about it is it's, it's so topical. And it's also, I think, great to bring that younger audience into this debate, because sometimes I think maybe we perceive that they miss out on this. You know, they need to look at the reality of what happens because I think sometimes they take for granted, and we all take for granted, that we have power and water and heat and air conditioning, even what ha would happen here in the summer if the air conditioning stopped. Mm -hmm. uh, a, f a few months ago, I was actually at a hotel where they told us that the water was going to be turned off for 24 hours because they were working on, on the water system. I can't tell you how many times during that day I turned on the tap and realized, oh, right, no water. I, I went into the shower, oh, right, no water. We just take it for granted. Uh, and I think it's, it's important that we really think about where it comes from and how, how uh, our, resources, our resources need to be conserved, and we need to really think about that. Yeah, I have to say, I've never been as thirsty reading a book <laughs> as I was reading Dry. Oh, you know, I was just talking to Jared, uh, my son who I co-wrote it with uh, last week, and he said, everybody's been telling him that. We hear that all the time. And the funny thing was, is while we were writing it, that didn't happen to us. <laughs> so you're inflicting all this pain on other exactly, people that you didn't yes. experience yourself. Um, very quickly, I want to just mention, so we have a wonderful uh, fan of yours who's texted in to the show and he's completely gutted that he didn't know that you were in Dubai. <laughs> and he said, is that it? No more sessions. And he's texted in a crying emoji. Oh, 
But um, he does have a question for you if you'd like to answer this. So he'd like to know how you perfect creating distinct worlds with similar themes. Um, he says Unwind is dystopian, so is Dry, but the, at the same time Scythe is utopian. There are so many shared elements, yet each world is so distinct. Well, thank you for that. Uh, that's the goal is to try to create distinct worlds that don't feel like anything we've seen before. And that's what really gets me to want to create a world is when I realize, well, we've seen something like it, but we've never seen it quite like this. You know, Scythe, which is, which is dystopian, but on the same, at the same point, it's supposed to be about the perfect world. You know, the world where we get everything that we want the way that we want it. A world without war, a world without poverty, without hunger, without disease. Ultimately, a world where we've conquered death. Uh, I had done a lot of research as to uh, where all of these things are going to, including artificial intelligence. And I I tried to look at the, the most positive outcome for all of these things. And then look at the consequences of getting the most positive outcome. Because even when we get what we want, there are consequences to that. And, uh, and so that's what sort of made me want to tell that story. It was something that was similar in the sense that it had a dystopian feel, but it was a different take. Um, I want to just briefly return to, you wrote uh, the Scythe series on your own. Yes. But Dry was the book that you wrote with your son, Jared. Yes. What was it like working with your son on Dry? I mean, were there any arguments? I mean, any advice that you'd give to anyone attempting a creative partnership with a friend or family member? And how old is he as well? Just uh, Jared is 27. Okay. And it was a dream working together. How cool. It was, it, was, it, was a, it was a dad's dream to be able to write with him. We did not have arguments. Uh, when we would sit down to write, we would talk about the story. Uh, one of us would say, oh, let me take a shot at this chapter first. And then, I, and then the other one would revise it, and then we'd talk about it. And then once we uh, set the voices of the characters, then we would just go back and forth. You know, you couldn't tell who wrote which chapter. We didn't divide it up by character. We just divided it up by who is more excited to write this particular chapter. And, uh, and, and we, there were chapters that we just sat together in the room and worked on them together. Uh, so when we had arguments, it was more like, you're going to wear that shirt today? You know, you, got, you haven't shaved in a week. You know, those, those kind of father-son, uh, you know, things. But when it came to writing, there, there was never any arguments. It was fantastic. And think- we're working on a new one right now. Brilliant. Um, I just wanted to, you mentioned characters. Um, so some of the characters that I really loved in the book, the main ones, so you've got uh, Alyssa, her brother Garrett. Um, you've also got the character of Kelton, who's part of a family of preppers. And I want to talk to you about this. I mean, preppers get a really bad reputation, but in this novel, they kind of have the upper hand because, I mean, they are prepared. Um, are you and your thoughts on this reflected in any of the characters? Uh, what we wanted to do is we wanted to sort of show a, a balanced view of, of everybody. When it came to the preppers, we had done a lot of research. We had watched Doomsday Preppers and different, different shows about them. And, you know, preppers can be very scary. Uh, very what, intense. Yes. And what we wanted to show with the family of preppers in this story is that they, yes, they were preppers, but they really weren't prepared for what was coming. Because you, 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 can't, you, you can't prepare... For, for you know, for this kind of inevitability, uh, when all you all, all you know is you know holding everything from everybody else, which is what they were doing. They were you know they weren't being a part of a community. They were hoarding everything, and that ultimately led to the downfall of their uh, you know their family and everything that happened. 
How do you think you and Jared would fare in similar circumstances? Uh, Did you consider that when you sat down to write it? No, but while we were writing it, we talked a lot about it and talked about uh, maybe making sure that we had our emergency supplies and uh, and you know where we would go and how we would get there. The, the routes that the characters take in the book down the down the aqueducts, we actually did Google Earth and figured out exactly real realistically how they would get to where they were getting. So so we know how to escape California. <laughs> but also I think one very interesting thing it brought up just human nature and that you know maybe horrible side in many ways because when something like this happens obviously everybody the only person of interest is you know myself and my family mm-hmm. and I will fight you for that almost. Yes. And it's more it's more my family than myself because a lot of people wouldn't do terrible things to save themselves but if your child is dying of thirst and your neighbor has water and says, I will not give you water over my dead body, you're going to kill your neighbor to save your child. And that is, you know, it's, it is human nature, and that is something, you know, it's a harsh reality. Survival is not pretty. When you go about planning something as um, something like dry, especially when you're working, you know, on your own or with um, someone like your son, Jared, are you a planner or a fly-by-the-seat-of-your-pantser kind of writer? It's a little bit of both. Uh, I, I like to plan out the story, uh, but basically what that is, is I'm tricking myself into thinking that I know where the story's going because it always starts to go in different directions. Uh, the characters, when they really come to life, they don't always want to do what you as the author wanted them to do. They don't always follow your plot. And if you force them to follow your plot, you're just a puppet master. The characters don't feel authentic anymore. And so sometimes you have to throw away what you were doing and just follow the characters and then replot and restructure based on the choices that the characters are making. Um, we are unfortunately going to have to leave it there because we've run out of time. Um, but we could talk to you for so much longer. Thank you, Neil Shusterman, so much for joining us on Dubai Eye to talk about your novel, uh, Dry, that you co-wrote with your son, Jared Shusterman, and also for mentioning about um, the Scythe series as well. I think Thunderhead is the latest one. Thunderhead is the latest one, and the new one, The Toll, is coming out in November. That's the third and concluding book of the series. Thank you so much for joining us on the show. It's been an absolute pleasure. You're very welcome. Thank you. There's just so much more to hear. Download our podcasts at DubaiEye1038.com.